here. All right. Just for some of you, that, it is biblical. The Bible says we can give thanks with our clap offering, all right? Even trees will clap for the Lord, for the Lord is worthy. All creation gives Him praise, for He is a good God. City Church, I want to say one more time because it bears repeating over and over again that God is good. Come on, God is good. And all the time, He is good. We are just so thankful to be in the house of the Lord. I want to ask all the youth uh, that are in uh, fifth through seventh grade, they know themselves. Understanding our class, you could go out this morning and uh, we just thank you. Thank all the teachers for all the input. These guys are learning a lot and uh, it's going to be so good for them. Um, also, I wanted to bring to your attention this morning, um, uh, we, were, um, we, have a, we announced last week that uh, we, there's a Thanksgiving dinner that's going to supposed to take place this Thursday for kids that are aging out of their foster care um, system. We've been working with a lot of youth uh, in that regard. And, and a lot of people have put a lot of work into it. A lot of work has gone into it. I just want to thank everybody that's played any role in investing any time and money and uh, a lot of arrangement. What it came to our attention as of yesterday, there was not enough. There were very few kids that actually committed that they are going to be doing it. And uh, for all the people that put a lot of work, we decided that we're not going to have the actual um, uh, dinner that we had planned. And so we will just reach, to them, reach out to them in other means, bless them individually and whatnot. And hopefully next year we'll do better. And so for all that, if you had given money towards this, please contact the office. We'll refund the money so it will come back to you. But uh, again, thank you for everybody that's put the effort. Uh, towards the work. In fact, we could give him a hand. I know some people that have put a lot of personal time in it, and it's not in vain. It's not in vain. You know, many times uh, we talk about um, um, giving, and as we approach the Christmas season and all the holiday season, you know, people are in a giving mode. How many know that? People are in a giving mode. It's a giving season, and it's great to give and to, to go jump into the season. But uh, what I want to thank LCC family for is that we don't give just for the season. We ought to be people that give all the time. And this church, I'll say, is a church that gives all the time. So you won't see us making such a big deal over the holiday season. We'll still give because we give throughout the year. Oh, come on. You know that. And you guys do a great job. Our church has been awesome. You all responded absolutely wonderful to the refugee family that we helped settle. Uh, it, we went over and above um, the state officials that were working with them were like, wow, you guys allowed us to do so much more for this one family because of how much you were able to take care of. And I, you could give a clap offering to somebody and thank everybody around you. So I want to commend our church for our generosity. And we're giving towards, in fact, if you could give that slide over there, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it as this being a mission Sunday. Is there a slide indicating the mission Sunday over there? That's just a little bit of a glimpse of all the different places that we have touched this year, that we've touched over the years and continue to do touch. And, and uh, with uh, being there in Mexico, in Kenya, church planning within our own city, God is using us to do a lot. We don't have enough time to cover all that's going on. And people that you would never even realize, that maybe would never even stand in front here, uh, but give and put in a lot of work in the background. And that's who God, God knows the time you put in. God knows, and he says that, you know, nothing goes unnoticed. One more time, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you, church. Let's continue to be a generous church. And uh, as the Christmas season goes on, it won't be an overload of giving here and giving there. We're just going to continue to do what we do. Same with prayer. I know sometimes we have a lot of passion to pray at the beginning of the year. This is going to be the year that I'm going to pray all the, every day. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do, and you know, and all the steam is at the beginning of the year in January. And then the rest of the year, people don't pray. We pray all the time. Jesus said, pray without ceasing. You pray all the time. You know, so amen and amen. Your Bibles, if you have it, I have it on the overhead. We're going to get in. We're going to read a passage out of Luke. Chapter 6, Luke's chapter 6, and I'm going to read about nine verses here, uh, maybe eight if I could do math. Um, but uh, Jesus uh, talking, um, if you have, uh, so 
Verse 37, this is New Living Translation. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and others or you, it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave an illustration. Can a blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are no greater than their teacher, but, this, but a student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Other translations might say that a disciple is no greater than the master, but a disciple that is well trained will become like the master. So, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Look at the person next to you and say, yeah, you got a speck in your eye. If they told you that, you tell them, hey, take care of your log first before you tell me that. <laughs> I'm causing strife in the church today. Cool. <laughs> But he says, why worry about the speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first, get rid of what the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And a good tree can't produce, good, cannot, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are never picked from bamboo bushes. Bramble bushes, a good person produces good things from the treasury of his good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of his evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. The other translation will say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your, the entrance of your word brings life. And we ask today, Lord, that you will speak to us by your word, that your word accomplish in our lives the purpose for which you sent it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Last week we started a new series called The Seed Principle. And, uh, and really, the premise is about... Um, this principle that's laid out in the scripture, throughout the whole scripture, you see um, the Bible talks about seeds, talks about plants, anything that is seed-related. In fact, in, uh, from creation, God talks about uh, uh, let there be plants, uh, that, that, that seed-bearing plants that reproduce after its kind. And God laid out, and, and you see throughout the whole creation story, even the fall of man, God uses an analogy a uh, metaphor, if you would, uh, of plants. He says that there's a, there's a, there's a plant, there's a, there's, a, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a tree of life. And, and, and you know what happened to Adam and Eve. They were told not to eat of the tree. So, and that, that theme goes on throughout the scripture to the very last chapter of the Bible. You read about the tree of life. You read about, so, and it's a theme that is used in many, just about every area of life. God uses this analogy of, uh, of seed uh, or its products uh, thereof, if you would. And, uh, and it's important for us to understand it as a principle because principles govern themselves. I, I, I said last week that, you know, if, if, if you just decide that you're smart enough and you don't believe in gravity anymore, and so you're going to just decide, well, you know what? I believe I can fly. I've been inspired by the song. And, you know, you get up on the top of the building and says, you know, I've been inspired by that song. You know, I can fly. You will be reminded very, very shortly that gravity still works. You know, Satan even tried that on Jesus. He goes, well, if you're the son of God, how, why, you know, the, the Bible says, you know, he, he will get your, his angels to take care of you. Why don't you jump over and God will come in with his angels? And Jesus says, you think I'm dumb? You know, I have faith, but you think I'm stupid? You know, it's like, you shall not test the Lord your God. So uh, the, the principle, the point is, principles work whether you agree or you don't. They work for 
the good people and they work for bad people. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And so the seed principle is so good to understand because there is so much wealth in Scripture that, 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 we can, that would allow our spiritual development, allow us to grow in the Lord and be able to be all that we can be in God, be able to realize our potential because seeds represent potential. Because what, when you sow something in the, in, the spiritual, in the spiritual realm, the seed principle works very similarly to how things work in the natural. So, for example, if you were to plant corn seed in the ground, you expect to harvest corn. If it's healthy, it's uh, planted in the right conditions and all that. In the same way, when we plant seed in the spiritual realm, the seeds that we sow also produce a type of fruit that uh, was planted. So, um, uh, as I said earlier, that the Bible, and we don't have time enough to go through every uh, reference because there are just a gazillion of them, and they relate to any matter, every matter of life you could imagine. I wanted to zero in on a few things, and uh, we started uh, looking at a couple things uh, here that I think encompass most everything, and where most of our life is found. One, it's in the Word of God, and we talked about that last week. The first thing is life in the Word. The Bible says that we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Many of us, um, we never forget to eat. Because if you forget to eat, your body will remind you very, very fast that you need something. If you've never tried it, try it today. After the service, just hang around here. Come here and just pray. When all of us are gone, you're in a seat all day. Yeah, you will be needing something. Here's what I do sometimes. When I go to work and I don't take anything to, we, to eat with me, uh, uh, I know this is where I'm, the fault is. If I don't plan it, I know I'm going to eat bad. Because the moment that call comes, anything I can find, I'm just going to, I'm like, Pastor Heather, do we have food in the fridge? You know, any leftover from the People on Sunday that didn't eat, you know, I find the that's why I look different than I used to be. But if I planned my day well, you know, I'm going to eat good. I'm going to eat. If I, if I brought something from home and I thought, you know, my body will remind me at all, at all times. And so spiritually it's the same way. We are always eating, even when we are not eating a healthy diet. So the Bible says the healthy diet comes from the Word of God. It says you cannot live without the Word of God. It says that you cannot live life without feeding your soul and feeding your life the Word. And Jesus kept pushing us always through the Word, always through the Word. We say, give us this day our daily bread. That is not so much about our food that we have. It's our spiritual food. And you know, our lives are always fed. Our souls are always fed. Problem is, they're not always fed the right thing. I was on my, on my phone yesterday afternoon, and I was searching for something. My mom was saying, could you help me find a phone that's unlocked? I could, talk to Kenya, I could take to Kenya if there's a cheap price here. And so I go on the Internet, on my phone, and start looking for unlocked phones that unlock GSM that you can use overseas. I, I'm doing it on my phone. And then forgot about it later. At night, I went to my computer, and I, I, I checked on my Facebook status. And sure enough, the advertising just creeps in of the same phone I was searching on my phone. Now, that's creepy. But, you know, I was thinking, wow, it's amazing how much we are being fed. The world around us just wants to feed, feed, feed. It feeds our minds, feeds our soul, feeds our spirit. Feeds... But we have no room for the Word of God. We have more, no room to feed the right diet, the proper nutrition uh, that we need uh, for, our soul, uh, for our souls. I remember having a conversation with somebody last night, which was awesome. If you thought the service started about 30 minutes ago, you're wrong. The service started last night. You know, I came over here from home. I come over to pray, and this, I just thought, oh, I need some quiet. I'm going to go to the office. It's going to be quiet there. Nobody's going to be there. I could pray. I could dance, and nobody will judge me, you know. I could yell and scream, and, you know, everybody's at the game. So I show up, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm in my office just kind of praying, reading the Word, and somebody knocks the door uh, that was here. Uh, actually, Jay Alma was here, and he says, hey, Pastor, do you, do you mind uh, talking to somebody outside, you know? 
And there was somebody here seeking. Asking. And if you're here, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say your name uh, to embarrass you or anything. I just, but, uh, but, but God had driven somebody here that wanted to see something. And we talked. Uh, and we talked about the word of God. And thankfully, when he went home, he went home having been saved and uh, receiving Jesus as their Savior. And, uh, and it was awesome. And it was something simple, but yet I said, you know, it wasn't an accident. God wanted to feed. He goes, you know, I, my life is frustrated. I don't have time for, for God because I'm so busy. And you know what? You're feeding off of something, but you're missing the very thing that you need the most. And so Jesus last week, we, we read in Matthew 19, he talks about how the word of God is a seed, but that seed goes on different types of grounds and there's like four different uh, grounds four different seed uh, uh, fields uh, that jesus uses and uh, and how we all get the word but we don't get the same out of it even this message this morning someone that's sitting under the same breath will hear the word and receive it differently why do we get different results all the time but god's desire is that the word comes into our lives and that it bears fruit in our lives It's not just, it's just the cares of life come still away. And we talked about that. And then the other part that maybe I'm going to zero in a little bit more today is in the area of relationship with people. Because the Lord has a lot to say about this. The Bible has a lot to say about this. <laughs> and I was joking with someone this morning. He was like, man, how was your week? And they're like, uh, it was crazy. I said, let me guess, people. He goes, yeah, people. I'm like, yep, that's right. I'm like, you know, wouldn't it be nice if people weren't there? It'd just be awesome. But, you know, how many know that we have to live with people? And God loves people more than anything. Come on. God loves people more than anything. Uh, sometimes they don't look like they are lovable, but God still loves them. And sometimes it's you that's unlovable. <laughs> but God, in the relation of people, he says, whatever we, whatever we sow, we reap. I'm always tickled as someone that comes in and complains about how unfriendly people are. And you look at him and say, now how friendly are you to them? Oh, well, they don't appreciate all I do. Now, who have you appreciated lately? Who have you told really how you felt about them? We, walk, we, we live with our families, we live with our co-workers, we, we live life with a lot of people, and we never tell them sometimes, or we do it so little, we never tell them how much they mean to us. We never tell them how much we love them, how much we appreciate them. And maybe that's a strong word to say, but we don't do it enough, let me put it that way. But he says that the life is just a seed that you're scattering all the time. The words that you say to people, they are seeds that you're scattering all the time. And it says that what we plant, what we give, we can expect for it to come back. Here's the scary thought. Seeds always produce more. The, the plant will produce more than the seed was planted. If you plant one can of corn, you're going to get a lot more out of that one. That applies for the positive things, but it also applies for the negative. Oh, come on. Now, that's a scary thought if you think about that. That's a good thought to, med- to meditate upon that. If you're just like dishing out to people, dishing out to people, dishing out to people, I'm going to tell them how they hurt me. I'm going to tell, I'm going to show them. You know, those things the Bible says that will come back to you. The full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So Jesus in verse 37, he says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will, not, it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. You know, I love the song that we sang this morning. Was that, did we sing it this morning? Pastor Chris just said it. But nevertheless, I heard it very clearly that his grace is enough. We are saved by grace. You know, Jesus taught us that we ought to treat people the same way that we would like to be treated ourselves. I think sometimes that's good. (laughs) Actually, all the time it's good. Here's the problem sometimes. If you don't like yourself, if you're always speaking to yourself negative things, you always think, oh, well, I can't do it. I can't help it. I, I, I hate how I look. I hate how I react. I hate this about me. I hate my family. I hate this. And you dislike yourself. Let me know that you're going to be transmitting that vibe to other people. So until you actually start changing 
Maybe you should start treating people the way the Lord treats you. Maybe you should start just loving people the way God loves you. Maybe you should start forgiving people the way God forgives you. Here's the truth. The Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. How many have sinned? Anytime recently? Oh no, let me ask another question. How many haven't sinned at all? When you think about how awesome, how wonderful, how good, how merciful God's judgment is towards us. It makes you so much more um, accommodating to people. It makes you so much more um, um, gracious to others. If God judged me every day for the sins of my life, I would not be here right now. If God gave me the punishment that I so deserve for any sin I ever committed, I would have been dead when I was two. And his judgment is righteous. His judgment is right. God is a fair God. We don't deserve it. And so he says, just before you judge somebody, why don't you just take a moment and just thank the Lord that he hasn't judged you and given you what you deserve? I'm not saying turn a blind eye on bad things happening. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just suggesting the heart of compassion and being with people that are going through hard situations, people that have failed, and they know they failed. And you telling them how much they failed only add to the disappointment that they already have within themselves. But say, I know you messed up, but I still love you. I know you blew it, but I still believe in you. I know that uh, you keep doing it over and over again, but, but I love you because God, God loves you. And he's loved me so, and I return what I have, has been given to me. Secondly, I wanted, you know, and, and there's so much. You should just look at your neighbor and say, thank, you should thank me a little bit. They, if you would have just let me look at this whole passage one by one, we'd be here till tomorrow. But I'm just going to highlight a few things. So say, thanks, Pastor Solo. You should buy me coffee for that because you'd be hearing, here for a long time, you know. So, But I want to just highlight a few things here. Another one is, secondly, I wanted to say, uh, where it says, a student is no greater than the teacher. But the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Notice, it does not say that the student will become, will become better than the teacher. It says that the student will become like the teacher. See, our aspiration, and yours and I should be always, when we deal with people, is aspire to be just like Jesus. The teacher is Jesus. The master is Jesus. The Lord is Jesus. And we are the disciples of his. And we are never going to be higher than him. But if we are well trained, he says, we will become just like him. That when people see us, they see him. So we've got to live like Jesus, serve like Jesus, give like Jesus, love like Jesus. If we serve, which is a dichotomy in the way we think of leadership in our time. Jesus comes in. He's the greatest leader ever to walk the earth. His disciples know it. The rest of the world don't yet. But his disciples know who he is. In fact, he put them to the test and asked them, who do people say that I am? And they started talking about, hey, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Uh, Some people say that you're Elijah reincarnated. Some people say this, you're a great prophet. They said, okay, that's all cool what people think about me. I want to ask you folks, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, that did not come out of you, out of your own understanding. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but your father in heaven revealed that to you. So the disciples knew who Jesus was. And Jesus, being the leader that he was, um, uh, in front of his disciples, he would come and wash his disciples' feet. And he would take a place of a servant. And it absolutely, it was mind-blowing for them to think, 
You can't do that, Lord. John the Baptist recognized that when he was about to baptize Jesus. He says, I can't baptize you. Are you kidding me? I'm not even worthy to untie the straps out of your sandals. I cannot do that. They understood who Jesus was. Yet Jesus knelt down and he served them. And all the time they were always wondering when the fullness of the God's kingdom, because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time, when the fullness of God's kingdom will come, Who's going to be the greatest? Is Peter going to be the, am I going to be seated at your right hand? You know, they were thinking about all these political positions of the kingdom at the time. And Jesus says, the greatest among you is going to be the servant of you all. Something they had not even considered. What do you want? What do you want out of life? What do you want people to give to you? What do you want? From your spouse? What do you want from your kids? What do you want from your parents? What do you want for so- from society? You can fill that blank. I'm going to ask you a question. What are you giving? What are you giving? What are you giving to your family? What are you adding to your church? Well, I don't like my church anymore because they don't have this or this or that. The pastor preaches just as close as longer than Jesus sometimes, I would think. Oh, I don't like this. What are you giving? How are you serving? Because it's what you want. You plant seeds in your life. You plant seeds in other people's lives. You plant seeds and those seeds will come back to you. For it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We've got to be like Jesus. Now, am I suggesting... That you're, if you're always planting good seeds, you're always uh, uh, planting positive seeds, you're always doing all the right things, that things are always going to be good all the time? Not at all. In fact, Jesus said, we're told that a master cannot be, uh, a teacher, a student cannot be better than the teacher. Jesus planted good seeds in people's lives. Jesus walked with people that nobody would go with. He would hang out with sinners. In fact, they called him a friend of sinner. But that was not a good title. If you, will, if you will look at the scriptures, you'll realize they were mocking him. Other teachers of the law were mocking him. Look at him, a friend of sinners. That wasn't a good title, by the way, at the time. But Jesus um, um, did all those things. But yet, people still mocked him. He still went through pain. He still was rejected. He says he was rejected by many. He still went on the cross. He still felt pain. You know, our society right now is one that we, we will avoid pain at all costs. We want everything for free. We want them to do everything for us. Boy, if, if it takes some pain and sweat on my side, oh, shoot, I don't want that. Give it to me easy. Pain is necessary sometimes. We also live in a fallen world. Because uh, what I'm trying to say is that it's not just all that you plant. If you're always planting good seeds, that bad things will not happen. Again, I made a statement earlier saying it rains not the just and the unjust. So to understand how this principle works of seed time and harvest, uh, seed, uh, of seed principle, you've got to understand sowing and reaping, the seed time and harvest. Also, you have to understand seasons and times. There's a time and there's a season for everything, the Bible says. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never, will, will never go away. Seasons will never go away. There are sometimes seasons of drought. You can plant your seeds all you want, but if it's a season of drought, you're not going to get any crop. If you plant it the wrong plant, you're not going to get any crop. In other words, not everything is dependent on you. Okay? Not everything is dependent on you. So this message is really not about that. Because when it's a season of drought, you have nothing to do with it. You can do all you want. You could, you could be healthy, you could eat well, you could do exercise and still get a diagnosis and thinking, where in the world did that come from? It's nothing you did. It's, a lot, it's, it's, it's the world that we happen to live in and it's an imperfect world. But God uses even those situations to build us. Pain isn't always bad. 
God uses it. It's not of God. God is one not afflicting pain on us, but he uses the pain in our lives to grow us. Jesus experienced the pain on the cross. But without that praying, we will not be sitting here today. We will not be worshiping God today. We will not be called children of God if he had not stuck to it and went through the pain. He says he did not despise he dis- the, the, the shame. He went on the cross, even death on the cross for you and I. So we cannot be better than him. And so maybe right now in your life you're going through a season that's very difficult. Uh, I, 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 I wanted to say that just to not, that I'm not suggesting that your difficulty is a direct result of what you planted. Sometimes Sadhas planted things that you just have to deal with. Some things that we experience that are just blessings of where we were born. And so we, we need to distinguish those. But God is always good. God is always good. But what we do with our seeds will produce life for us. What we plant in other people's lives will produce for us. So what do we do then? We need to look in the mirror. Never judge people because they sin differently than you. It says, first read of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to be able to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know, always look in the mirror and see, wow. And when you look in the mirror, you can be honest with yourself. And you can be gracious with people. But at the same time, you can also be very thankful for what God has done. There's nothing that inspires praise out of my life and inspires worship out of my life than just a moment where I pause and I think about what God has done for me through His grace. Nothing inspires praise more than that. Nothing inspires worship more than that. We we, we like to see uh, the spectacular and the great and the greatest miracles already occurred. And sometimes we overlook it. We get complacent. We get accustomed to it. We hear it over and over again. We absolutely forget about how powerful that it is to be a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus and no longer be associated with just being a person of the world, but being identified as a child, a son, a daughter of the Most High. We sometimes don't think enough how wonderful that miracle is. And that should inspire us every day to inspire our worship. It should be inspired just a spontaneous worship. You don't have to be motivated to worship the Lord when you really get the revelation of that truth and what God has done for you and I. Now, lastly, on my thoughts for today is like, you, you, what you plant is what, you're not going to be able to plant what you do not have. See, Jesus says a good person will produce good things from the treasury of his good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Isn't it funny when you maybe get on a heated argument, (laughs) marriage 101, uh, with your spouse maybe, or your kids, and then you just say something. And you want to pull it back. But you can't. Because you already said it. You think, oh my goodness, I didn't know you were thinking that. Now, how many have ever had a conversation like that? And really, to be honest, that thing was in there. It doesn't just blop out. You know, pressure squeezes, uh, pressure causes what's inside to come out. And when we look in the mirror, it's like, oh my goodness, God, I messed up inside if I did that. And that's a different way to look at it. It's like, instead of Getting defensive, says, oh, I didn't mean that. It's like, oh, shoot, I did say that because it did come out of my heart and I am wrong. I repent of that. I'm deeply flawed. But apart from the grace of God, I'm deeply flawed. And own it up and repent it that he was there. <laughs> Even though we like to deny that he was. No, 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 that's not what I say. And in the, air, in the time of... Uh, Pia, you know, you see those people on TV, people of influence, maybe they're seeking political power, maybe they're trying to send more, or sell more CDs and more uh, numbers, or whatever it is, I'm going to call it numbers, you know, so anybody under 30 is thinking, shoot, what's numbers? But anyway, no matter what their intention might be, they say something and then they have to get a, a good choreographed um, um, uh, apology letter written by a guy that uh, has a degree in writing letters like that. And so it says all the right things, but what they originally stated was really what was in their heart. 
Because the Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things. Most amazingly, when people say, oh, follow your heart, follow your heart, just do what's in your heart. Follow. That is the most, the worst advice anybody can ever get. Because our hearts can lead us into destruction. Your heart can lead you to break your marriage. Your heart can lead you to break everything. Your heart can lead you into places you think, oh my word, how did I even get there? What we should follow is God's heart. I don't trust my own heart. I trust his heart. I want my heart in his heart. I want to dwell in his presence because his heart keeps me in check. His heart helps me to walk in the straight and narrow. His heart helps me to be more balanced. If I follow my heart, I am capable of doing... He's like, geez, I never thought he could do that because he was just following his heart into breaking other people's lives. So if you, next time you say, I'll follow your heart, Pause a minute and think about that. You follow his heart. You follow his word. You follow his compass. You follow what he says. He will direct you. He says he will, he will direct your path. He will direct your path. Every day I want his, not just mine. So you cannot, you cannot give what you don't have. So if our heart is that evil, and out of what's in my heart is what I give out. Shoot, I'm going to zip it up. I'm never going to say a word in my life. No, 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 no. That's why we need Jesus. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the incorruptible seed. That's why we get born again. Because Jesus takes our mess. And he doesn't give us what we deserve. But he cleanses us. From all our iniquities. He cleanses us from our sins. He purifies us. He covers everything. That what we don't deserve. And out of us comes Him. That's why Paul says that the life I have now is not my own. But I live for Christ. Christ in me the hope of glory. Amen. Christ in me the hope of glory. That's why we need Jesus every day. Every hour. Every minute. We need Jesus in our lives. Because then the Jesus that's inside of us is the Jesus as the world will get. The Jesus that's inside of us is the Jesus that my spouse will get. The Jesus that's inside of us is the Jesus that um, is going to be seen. I don't want people to see me. I want people to see Jesus in me. Yesterday we were, <laughs> my wife and I went to, you know, when you have your mother and your mother-in-law both in town, even in the service, you be careful what you say. But anyway, but some of the side benefits when you have a, a lot of kids uh, is that you could actually go grocery shopping with your wife without any kids and feel okay. So we went to Sun's Club. That's where we shop in bulk. Everything is magnified. But I think everybody decided to go at Sun's Club the same exact time that we went. I'm thinking, we had to park way out there. like, Lincoln, yeah. And so, and then, you know, in those types of uh, situations, I don't know if you're like me, I start looking, scanning through the lines. Which one is, produces the best possibility of getting out of here quicker? So I picked through everybody's uh, carts, and I'm thinking, hey, that one, honey, that one, right there. Their stuff is, they don't have as much stuff, you know. So we stand there. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait. And boy, about 15 minutes later, it's like, we picked the wrong one. That's when something went just terribly wrong, some credit card issue, da-da-da-da-da. And we're standing there. And I was just starting to get a little agitated inside. A, a really bad time to follow your heart, by the way. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> I, I whispered, I said, right? I picked the wrong one here. I've just counted five people on that other line. And they, they came after me, and they're all gone, and they had some huge stuff. And, and, and I look at the guy checking out. He's frustrated. Where to his face, he's turning red. He's moving his lips. He's drinking his coke. He's like, it's, it's, it's horrible for him. Because everything, you know, he just feels like having a supervisor come in over his shoulders and help him. And I can tell the young man was getting a little frustrated himself. And the last thing I want to do is to come here and say, wow, I'm so tired here. You know, I waited for so long. I'm like, that's when I was like, woo, I'm going to be a blessing to this guy. I'm going to be a blessing to this guy. And so when we came in, he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, hey, relax. It happens. It's awesome. You're doing great. And just started speaking good things to him, blessing him and encouraging him. And he just relaxed. 
and uh, just laughed, saying, you know, what a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a crazy day, but you're doing wonderful. You know, this happens all the time. You don't even have to worry about it. And, you know, um, how easy. I could have let that store and made what was already a bad day for him even worse. Or just, I didn't have to tell him I was a, I was, I'm a pastor, by the way. I have to behave right when I come to these places. But, you know, you, you can transmit the love of God in so simple ways and plant the right seed in people's lives. And we walked out of there as like, he was so busy. He goes, your patience is incredible. He, like he went out of the way because he definitely did not expect that. And so what am I trying to say? Is that you and I have Jesus. We still live in an imperfect world and things, people are people. And people will test your patience or do what? But we need to draw out of what's in our heart. And it's Jesus in our heart. And draw from that well and begin to give good things into people's lives. Begin to give. Begin to tell people how much you appreciate them. How much they mean to you. Don't wait till they are dead and, and give them the grandest funeral service ever given on earth. And the guy is well gone. They never had that once. Begin to tell people how much they mean to you. I was going to go on a pity party, but I'm not going to go there. But God is good. It's a goodness. A good man gives out of the treasure of his good heart. That's where they give. And don't ever be deceived that you're not good enough to have that good treasure. You can only give what you have. And you have Jesus if you give Jesus. You give Jesus, you give Jesus, you give Jesus to people. You give Jesus everywhere you go. You give Jesus, his love, his mercy, his grace. The measure you use will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. The same measure you use will be measured back to you. Amen. Stand up. Let's worship Jesus. Amen. Did you receive a word from God today? Are you going to be planting good seeds here on out? Come on, let's stand up. I want us to pray right now. Let's pause over this place, every eye closed in the presence of God. In just quietness, you can whisper your prayer. And just ask Jesus. Ask Jesus to plant his seeds in your life. To uproot every ungodly seed. To uproot every seed that is corruptible. To uproot everything, every negative, destructive seed that is in your heart. And begin to replace it with the right seeds. I want you to just take a moment in quietness and begin to worship God and just ask him. You know, he hears prayers. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. But just ask him. Sometimes there are seeds that in our lives, seeds in our hearts, that were actually planted by other people, but we allowed those things to come into our lives and they control us. They control our decision. They put walls between us. And, and, and Jesus is uprooting those things. Ask him to approve it right now in his presence. And he begins to replace with good seeds. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence, oh God. You are the one who makes us whole. God, we are broken, we are wounded, we are destroyed without you. We don't even deserve to stand before the presence of the most holy God. But because of your work of the, at the cross, because of the blood of Jesus, because of your word, we can be made whole. As we had the word this morning, that your grace is enough. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough, oh God, to restore that which the enemy had planted for our destruction. That it will bring blessing to our lives, oh God. That you will replace every negativity. You will destroy, utterly destroy, as you did on the cross. You will destroy the corruptible in us, O oh God. And I pray right now that the seed of the Holy Spirit will be planted in our hearts, O oh God, 
That we can always respond to you. That we can always hear your voice. That we can always be sensitive, oh God, and have the right kind of field within our hearts where your spirit can move in us and through us and lead us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's for you. Just begin to say, I receive it, Lord. Raise your hands and just say, I receive them. Just receive it. I feel the Holy Spirit is planting new seeds in people's hearts. Bitterness, resentment, fear is being uprooted today. And God is filling the void areas with a spirit of joy, with a spirit of peace, with a spirit, His spirit in you. That is the incorruptible seed in your life in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, move now, we ask. In the name of Jesus, receive it. Thank you, Lord. With our eyes closed, maybe you're here. And you have never asked Jesus into your life. He's not your personal savior. You don't know him as a personal savior. Today, Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to start up, give you a fresh start with God. Maybe you've known God before. And you're not serving him right now. And you're saying, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. I want that incorruptible seed in my life. That's you. I want to ask you to say, Pastor Solo, just... Show me your hand. I have my eyes open. I'm going to see you. But you're showing me your hand by saying, Lord, I want Jesus in my life. I want to ask Jesus in my life. I want to get saved today. I want Jesus in my life. I'll give you one moment that we're going to pray. Anybody? Thank you, Lord. I'm assuming then, I don't see any hand. I'm assuming that all of us know Jesus is our Savior. And therefore, as the worship team leads us here, we're going to sing a few more worship songs. Worship the Lord. And I'll come back and close the service. I want us to give him worship. Look at me right now for just a second. Here's what the Bible says. It says it's, it's good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. And we are so accustomed in our culture to have someone always motivate us. Motivate us to worship God. Motivate us to serve God. And there's nothing wrong about that. Then there's a place for that. But if this service ends and we ourselves are not giving God what God only deserves, and that is our worship, we miss the point of even coming here today. And so we don't, it's not just singing songs that we do. It's really worshiping the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I say lead us. I want to encourage you to just Engage on Him. You know what's happening when we worship? There's an exchange. It's the only time we can sow a seed to the Lord. And when we sow a seed to the Lord, is our worship, our praise. We're sowing our seed that will bring about a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of His presence, a harvest so greatly, so incredible that we cannot describe. So it's, an, it's, a, it's a heavenly transaction going on. So some think, oh, many this church, they sing a lot. No, it's the, it's, it's the time we can seed, we can plant high, we can plant above. And there is no room enough to contain the blessings that come in return when we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. All right? Uh, so that's why we open the altars. We are expressive in our worship. If you feel to kneel down where you are, you kneel down. We don't make you kneel down, but you do it out of a response in worshiping God. We're going to have these altars open. And as they sing, we call it interactive worship because it's a time to express your worship to God in any way you feel as, as they lead us in songs. Can we worship Him, Jesus, one more time? Thank you, Lord. Just to give Him thanks right now. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Altars are open for prayers. We sing. Come on. My hope is built on nothing less. And if you need prayer, the pastors out here are ready to pray for everybody. Amen. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, in the Savior's love, through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My Faultless stand before the throne. 